Forgotten Flicks, episode 49, 3 o'clock high, 1987. Okay, all you teenage comet zombies, listen up. This is Kelly Maroney, or Samantha Belmont, one-third owner of the Greater Los Angeles Basin, and you are listening to Forgotten Flicks. Yeah. Hello, one and all, and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast. I am Joel, joined, as always, by the beautiful, the, I got nothing, Jason, I'm so freaking tired, the <laughs> stupendous Jason. <laughs> it's been a long week. Holy um, crap. Yes, yeah. it has. <laughs> we really need to, we picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. <sighs> you, but, yeah, um, go speak for yourself, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody uh, said anything about huffing paint thinner because that, oh, that's, no, that's okay. keeping me going right now. The glue this bad. You know, yep, but, that's uh, true. Yeah, hey, happy uh, happy episode forty nine. We are one away from half a century. Yep, uh, that's right. Fifty episodes. One away from the age of the females that if you were to date them, they'd still be jailbait. Wow. I don't, I don't even know why where yeah, that came from. What in the f did that even mean? I don't, I don't even, even know. I don't even know. <laughs> so yes, this is our fortnight episode, the first episode of the 2012. You know, the last year of our existence. Darn you, Mayans! Yes, yeah, seriously, if you believe that crap, please stop listening to us. <laughs> oh my God! Don't please don't email us. Yeah, God. especially if you're Mayan. Yeah, because you know what? Let's see. I'm. Thir- I'll be 36 this month, and Jason, you know, you remember way back when you were 36 in 1983. I remember most of the Mayans, actually. I was there. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I came I, and took over, and, you know, it was all big mess. And they were all like, eh, this isn't fair. Oh, God, I want to rip someone's heart out of their chest. Wait, that was Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah, so, so basically, I'm going to be 36, and I'm trying to remember how many times the world was supposed to have ended at this point. I'm thinking I've at least ha- hit half a dozen of where we're to the point where the media was just, oh, we got to build this up, and every, every, Tom Dick and Dickhead was writing some tome on oh the Y two K disaster will be epic and uh, and I actually remember being like in my early twenties driving back from the North Carolina mountains on New Year's Eve in the freaking mystery machine I'm talking shag and wagon had shag carpet <laughs> on the floors that POS barely made it home and I remember actually being afraid because it was we kept having to dump uh, quarts of oil into it as we drove. Because it was burning so much oil, I was all about oh the environment. I was all about the environment. I really was. I was like, Mother Earth, I give back to you. <laughs> so I, it was horrible, dude. So I figured the world's going to end. It's going to turn into chaos and like road warrior crap, and I'm going to be stuck in this freaking POS as I die. And planes are going to be crashing out of the sky. And Yeah, and I'm going to watch it from this thing. I think that actually had a Western <laughs> mural painted on the side of it. Oh my god! It wasn't unicorns and a dragon. Oh, on the that side. Uh, with a wizard, a wizard in <laughs> yes, his wand, yeah, airbrushed. Uh, no, yep. I remember sitting in my bad living company room. blaring out of the speakers. Yes, <laughs> it was awesome, man. And, and it was jacked up in the back a little bit. Front tires were smaller than the back, and you know, yeah, spoiler, uh, no, not, not really. No, I was going old school. These were more like the donut sized tires, and oh, oh yeah, oh. it was it was um it was intriguing. <laughs> No, I remember watching TV when Y2K happened, which is funny because my kids 
have no idea what Y2K is now. You say that, and it's gone. It has passed to lore now. Well, but, you remember um, Y1K, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, the Pope was an a-hole back then. But, um, <laughs> but I remember watching it and watching, like, as the time zones passed to. Um, just wondering, just for a split second going, hmm. Hmm. Well, it was funny because all the news tried to make it out like it was going to be, you know, this calamity. And yeah, the oh, first one like, Aus- Australia. Oh wait, they're still there. Yeah, they didn't hmm. fold, and their computers didn't shut down because, oh. of course, they could. Back then, the computers couldn't handle uh, rolling over from 1999 to 2000, and everybody thought that it was going to roll over to 1900 on the computers, and that was going to shut everything down. But yeah, that didn't happen, folks. And and, and 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 the and the uh, douche nozzle. I apologize if you're one of his disciples. The guy a few months back with the oh, oh yes. yeah yeah. How'd that work out for you? No, oh. it's it's not going to end now. Although it's I did have this weird theory. What if it actually did happen, and like only his people were taken? Like we wouldn't know. Maybe we are all stuck here, and it's already happened. And like the 18 oh. of them or whatever it was didn't you know went, and we just don't know. You know what hell is? Talking Being to on- me on a podcast at almost 10 o'clock at night. I am so dead right now. <laughs> just dead. You're so and... dead they're going to have to bury you twice. <laughs> yes, and I'm okay with 2012 as long as we have those really super cool like arc spaceship boat looking things that are parked in the Himalayas. Yeah, then, that's probably uh, probably not okay going to happen. That. And also it's not going to happen. Uh John Cusack is not going to save the day with a bunch of really crappy CGI. I like that movie. God, of course you did. <laughs> oh, God. Roland Emmerich, stop making movies. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Now he's got the Shakespeare anonymous. Yeah, this this must be his bid for an Academy Award. If I do one about Shakespeare. <gasps> yes, anything about Shakespeare uh, or the Holocaust or. Uh, so what's it, what, 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 <laughs> do, do the, do the, the uh, what is it, the um, uh, Tropic Thunder? <laughs> <laughs> do it, Jason. I haven't seen that movie. What? <clears throat> I know it's on my list. Are you really? You have seen it? No, I haven't. Are you freaking I've heard kidding? You quoted a million times, but I have not seen it. Actually, I think it was a little overrated. But the whole "you got to go," you, you can't go full retard. Sorry if that offends you. Was freaking hilarious. <laughs> Said by Robert <laughs> Downey Jr. in blackface. That's right. <laughs> that was funny. That's comedy gold. Gold, gold nuggets. Like yes. you got your notes. Yeah, well, I guess I guess since we're like six minutes in, we should mention this uh, episode of the Forgotten Flicks podcast brought to you by us. Actually, we have no sponsors. So going into the new year, if you want to sponsor the Forgotten Flicks podcast, please uh, contact us uh, at ForgottenFlicks uh, at gmail.com or uh, Joel at ForgottenFlicks.com or uh, feedback at ForgottenFlicks.com or we are some desperate love monkeys at ForgottenFlicks.com, which I probably should set that up since I just gave that as an actual email we address. We are some desperate love monkeys at uh, Gmail. Yeah, that's a long one. At ForgottenFlicks.com. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, that would be hard. That's what she said. <laughs> yes. And so here's the dealio, Jason. We're going to be talking 3 o'clock high. 3 a, o'clock high. Yes, a movie yes. I think that the vast majority of our listeners seem to be fond of. Yep. And we a couple of big tweets. We did have a couple uh, of, of naysayers. Uh, uh, my, my buddy Dave, the, the quiz master himself, uh, I, I, got a, I got a little bit of a snark from one of his tweets that he did not particularly uh, think fondly of this film. Really? Uh, I just went, just Maybe I read it wrong. Maybe I read it into the tweet. I don't know, but it just yeah. seemed a little... But right. for the most part, people seem to dig this movie. Um, yeah. So 
Would you like to listen to the trailer before we go into um, lambasting it? <laughs> I mean, assuming that's what we would do. I, I'm not saying anything. We may or may not like it. Yeah. Jason, you like, tw- <laughs> you like 2012. <laughs> I also like Piranha. And Piranha 3D. Okay, Piranha, Joe Dante Piranha, Roger Corman Piranha, or Piranha yes. Remake Piranha? And and Remake was actually pretty pretty good. There were lots of boobs in that one, though, so that was... Oh, guess, well, there were kind of boobs in the first one, Yeah, too, there were, so. but I don't think nearly as many as in the second Not the, the same. Yeah. No, it was not like a spring break type Yeah, thing. and also they weren't, um, I don't, how can we say this, um, as plastic? <laughs> yeah, they weren't as... Yeah, the, the girls <laughs> in the original were all natural... <laughs> Natural. Biodegradable. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. This one. The, these. The, <laughs> you know, the new one is the kind of thing where once the girls die and their flesh rots away, it's going to be a skeleton with these two sacks of silicone just sitting there. Think about yep. that, ladies. That's mm-hmm. how you're going to go out in your coffin. Wow. <laughs> anyway, Jason, the trailer for three o'clock. His eye. I guess I should have known from the beginning it was going to be one of those days. His name is... Jerry Mitchell. Hi, Jerry. 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 Hi, I'm I'm Jerry Mitchell. I'm with the school paper. He just met the new kid in school. The guy's the closest thing to Charlie Manson ever seen at Weaver. Now, we're going to have a fight today after school. He's got six hours to get out of it. It's been quite a morning, Jerry. You'll say that again. He'll try running. I wouldn't leave school without a good reason. He'll try bribery. If I can get the money, do you think you'd do it for me? Ravel will never bother you again. Guaranteed. He'll try robbery. You're giving Jerry Mitchell a hard time. Till finally. The fight is on. You and me in the parking lot. Three o'clock. Jerry's got a lot on his mind. Ten seconds. But he's not thinking about math or English. Five seconds. Because at three o'clock, he's going to make history. There isn't going to be any fight today. (laughs) Three o'clock high, rated PG-13. And, of course, the Pee Wee Herman impression there at the end of the trailer, (laughs) courtesy of Casey (laughs) Jamasco. <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> so, Jason, before you go into the synopses of the particulars of the uh, motion picture, I'm going to have JV hit us with some knowledge. Excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. What I love is when he sent me that file, it said, (laughs) who's the boss-ish? Angelo. Angelo. Samantha. Samantha. Jonathan. (laughs) Mona. Angela. I'm just going to randomly, as you talk, do that for the rest of the show. <laughs> please, just, please do. Yeah. Samantha. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. So, three o'clock high. I haven't seen this movie. Jonathan. In... Oh, sorry. I was. <laughs> it's quite. <laughs> sorry. 
Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be like Jerry. Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. No, it doesn't nah, sound it as good. Work. It doesn't really. Doesn't. No, nah, it didn't work. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> My dog's name is Buddy. And while he is a very large 105-pound beast of an animal, he's a complete sweetheart. So every time I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, no, Buddy wouldn't do that. <laughs> Buddy wouldn't do that. Buddy's a lover. Ah, yes. Um, so this, the movie basically begins with a um, – well, it, it starts out with Jerry. Jerry is the kind of this nerdy kid. Who wakes up and starts his day, a la sort of like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off type of thing. He doesn't talk to the the camera, but um, starts his day, and then the lead up to the high school um, that he goes to, things start to happen wrong for him. So there's bad stuff happening. His alarm clock's bad. He um, he almost gets into an accident. All these little things happen, and then as they as the camera goes up to the high school doors, you see all of these uh, kids in various groups kind of passing off from one to another uh, the story of a new kid that's come to the school. And this new kid is this complete psychopath, and they're telling the story of how he broke a teacher's neck and how he killed a kid, and um, his name is Buddy, and he is the next closest thing to Charlie Manson uh, at this high school. And, And they kind of pass it off between different very stereotypical cliques and then at one point jerry crosses paths with buddy and accidentally touches him in the bathroom (laughs) while at the urinals you need a hand with that (laughs) shaken not stirred (laughs) and but he doesn't like that so much. So he basically at that point tells as, Jerry. As, as, as indicated by the um, comment he makes to Jerry in regards to questioning Jerry's um, sexuality, shall we say? Well, I'll get into this in a minute. I'm trying to do this synopsis very neutral. <clears throat> and Jerry says, no, I just need uh, – I was just thought I have to do a – piece on you for the school paper and (laughs) i just want to know about the new kid that's here and buddy then says i want you to understand something i don't like people knowing about me in fact i don't like it when anyone knows about me and does this weird like jams him front first into the urinal and like flushes (laughs) it like six times yes um and then he says happens by the way and in fact it's it's theoretically possible jerry enjoyed that Potentially. A little yeah. cold, uh, but, you know, water's shallow. So he tells <laughs> Much he like tells this Jerry, podcast. We are going to fight at 3 o'clock. And uh, he tells them we are going to fight in the parking lot at 3 o'clock, and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. Um, and he leaves. And so the entire rest of the movie is basically built up through the course of his school day. And things go from bad to worse because he is he gets – you know, really freaked out about it, and as time is click- ticking closer and closer, and they show shots of the clock all as it's um, building up to the time for him to fight. He tries all manner of things to get out of the fight, um, and then it actually leads up to the fight scene in the parking lot uh, mm-hmm. of the high school, and the whole school kind of gets behind it. You know, and it has similar vibe to, like I said earlier, the um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off because all the school mm-hmm. is talking about these folks and. Um, the the fight that's going to happen. And and so it kind of all builds up to that. And we'll give away the ending ending 
we'll talk about that later. But and for the synopsis, it's just no. It's all about building up to this fight. That's the whole movie is yes. building up to three o'clock because it's kind of a play on the twelve o'clock high or the yeah. you know the uh, gunfight at high noon that type of thing. And three o'clock high is basically they're gonna fight. Yeah, th- Jason, thank you. And thank you for that um, gradual tapering off as if you couldn't believe what you were saying. Now, I w- before you apparently go into your bash <clears throat> session, because I can tell that's what's coming, um, I just wanted to mention a couple things. One, uh, this was directed by Phil Jeannot. I honestly don't know. Yeah. That, I don't know if you pronounce it that way, but it's kind of fun to say it that way. Jeannot. Jeannot. Or Jonow. Phil Jonow. 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 Joe now, Joe now, come on over. <laughs> so, Tanga Ray, get over here. Yeah, Joe, <laughs> yeah, Joe over there. Yeah, you could tell where we live. <laughs> yes, he he's actually directed some uh, decent flicks. He did uh, State of Grace, which starred Sean Penn, mm-hmm. and he did Final Final Analysis with your favorite Richard Gere. Ugh. And he actually did a couple of documentaries uh, with you too. So, I mean, he's he's definitely done some cool stuff. Yeah. And um, I will be up front and say that I watched this movie. Actually, it must have been about a year ago. because right around the time that I launched the Forgotten Flicks site. Because I remember it was one of the mm-hmm. first things I want to say. I think I posted something about it or I intended to. <laughs> Who knows with me? It's really debatable. <laughs> a year ago. Oh, God, come yeah. on. I can barely remember a week ago. <laughs> so, yeah, if you go back in the archives and there's something about 3 o'clock guy, that was probably me. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny because I contemplated not even watching. I was like, oh, well, I saw it within the last year. I was like, no, I want to watch it again. And I will say a couple things that jump out at me about the movie because, again, no, it's a favorite of some folks. I liked it a lot better a year ago, and I don't really know why, what changed in a year. Although I will say this, I appreciated certain things about it even more so this time around. I just don't know that, I think having just seen it a year ago, it's one of those movies that you could probably see once and be good. You know, had you seen it before this? I have seen it. Okay. Um, I saw it uh, back in the late '80s. Yeah, I and, liked it when and, I was a kid. I mean, I when it, when it was when I first saw it when, like you said, like in the late '80s, I I liked it then. I don't remember if I liked it or not. This is one of those that I definitely had recollection of, and I knew what it was about. I remember the characters. I remember the actors. Um, but when we talked about putting it on there, it was to me for some reason it was in my mind, sort of lumped in with the Cusack movies um, of that style, like the. Better Off Dead and and um, uh, One Crazy Summer. And so when I went to rewatch it, I was like, oh, yeah, great. I can't wait because I love those Cusack movies. And I sat down to watch it. And I thought, hmm. See, here's the thing. It's not funny. I mean, it's darkly funny, but it is a dark-ass movie. And I actually would make the argument it's not a comedy. <laughs> it's actually a prison escape movie mixed with a Western. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely present it as... A comedy because uh, um, Casey's Zamac. How do you pronounce his name? I think it's Jamasco. I think it's Jamasco. I think it's Jamasco. I think it makes the S Z makes like a Jamasco. Okay. Anyway, he we talked about him back with our Young Guns episode because he was one of the characters from Young Guns. He was the actually the funny connection between these. He was the guy in that gang who was the boxer. He was the pugilist. But I, I remember him, and then so I sat down to watch it. But something just felt a little off with him, <clears throat> with him being like the nerd. It's it's the same issue I have, or similar issue I have with 
uh, Glee. Uh, I don't watch it, but I've seen a couple episodes. Oh, my kids I don't like watch it. it. Yeah, except yeah. that I've seen every episode. <laughs> but the girl that's supposed to be the outcast in that, Rachel. Yeah, except that yeah, she's I, hot. Are you about to tell me you think Casey's hot? No. She just doesn't pull off that I'm an outcast. Nobody would ever be my friend. Yeah, no, totally not. Because I'm, yeah, I'm like uber no. talented and ridiculously hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so Casey Zemasco has the same thing. Jerry in this. See, I, he, I, I'll have to depart ways on with you on that one. I actually th- I think I, I bought him like as a, a eh. geek. I mean, yeah. he does kind of play he's off. A, he's, a, he's, a, he's not a very big guy, obviously. Goody. I mean, compared to uh, freaking Richard Tyson, the actor. I mean, he oh looked God, like he yeah, was about buddy. five feet tall. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I, I never actually, that is not any, I really can't even put my finger on. Maybe it's just, I don't know. It just didn't hit me the same way. I, although I think the key thing for me was, maybe I was being almost more analytical this time. The first time I watched it, it had been the first time I'd seen it in 20 years, and I just enjoyed it, watching it. Yeah. But I, I actually think the thing that really stood out for me the first time I rewatched it was, how dark it was and how edgy it seemed and even how well as a story I thought it held up even despite obviously all the dated pop culture elements of it like the dress I mean the clothing and the the haircuts and yeah, you know, that yeah, kind of stuff which is typical yeah. I mean my favorite right. was when they're when they're doing the whole pep rally thing like if you really pay attention to some of the garb my, <laughs> my personal favorite is the dude in the camo like parachute pants and the muscle shirt. I was like, "You're rocket, yeah. buddy." <laughs> rocket. And the beret. Yeah, I don't think I don't did I didn't see a beret. Yeah. Who was the guy that had the beret on and the fingerless gloves? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the, he looked like bets. Screech. He yes, looked like Screech. He did. Yes, he did. He looked like Screech. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He totally looked like Screech. I forgot. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, but yeah, the beret and he had the camo. Yeah, he was like um, the head the of the economics and... club or something. Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. Were, they had odds on. Yeah, it. yeah I, it you can go didn't... three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't have. I don't know. It it wasn't a laugh out loud. No, funny it really is not. There definitely at all. was no funny. There was definitely. Um, it was edgy, and I think the story held up. And and let me be clear. I don't. This isn't a bash fest, so I don't think this was a crappy movie by any means. It just wasn't as funny as some of the other um, kind of high school age antic type movies of the yeah. period. I think if you know you're going I mean? yeah, and I think if you're going in with an expectation of laugh out loud moments, you're gonna be yeah. sorely disappointed. Because I don't think it's that I don't think it's that kind of movie. I honestly think no. it's a little misleading to put it like you know what it is? Do you ever see After Hours? It's a Martin Scorsese picture that came out in nineteen eighty five starring Griffin Dunn and Roseanne Arquette. I love that movie. Fantastic. They put it in it's the one where you've seen the box, everybody's seen the box if you grew up and went to a video store in the eighties. It's the one with the guy, it's like a looks like a like a alarm clock on the front and the guy's head is being twisted around by this like you can just tell by her fingers that she's probably a beautiful woman, like the, the red painted fingers are like twisting his head around and it's Griffin Dunn's head. You've seen yes, it. Yes, Everybody yes. has seen that for you. So that's after yeah. hours. It's that kind of movie where it's they put it in the comedy section, the cover looks a little zany, but it's not funny. Yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. like laugh out loud funny. It's there's a humor to it. I mean, there's definitely a humor to it. It's sort of the idea that you know the the tragedy and comedy, you know, are two sides of the same coin. And right. this movie is definitely has kind of absurd moments, but it never goes like over that over the top. It doesn't feel right. that way, and and it kind of stays a little. Even though the some of the camera angles and some of the stylistic choices are a little zany and over the top. As a as a movie and as the way the story progresses, it it really stays pretty 
uh, grounded, even though like yeah. even some of the characters like I and, and the other thing I really did appreciate. And of course, now I'm going to go on this whole diatribe of how much I like the movie. Um, <laughs> well, what is I appreciated things about it. First and foremost, the structure, like from a screenwriting point of view, it's a really basic example of like all the things you read in every screenwriting book, especially the Hollywood type screenwriting with the three act structure and you know, around the 20 minute mark or so you have your first uh, you know, plot point that takes you into the second act and then the second act yeah. plot point around, you know, and so on and so forth. This movie really did that well because the it was scene, very systemic. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and the, the very, the, the scene in the bathroom, it, it sets in motion the question, how will Jerry keep from getting his ass kicked? That's, that's the central question. It does not deviate from that. The antagonist no, is very well much... defined, you know? No, 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 no. It was how does Jerry stay alive? Well, because yes, yes. Yeah, he this... was going to die. Yes. Yeah, because if you haven't seen this movie, let me, let me set up a little bit here for you. Jerry Mitchell, who uh, I would say he kind of had this similar build and a similar size to like a Michael J. Fox. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. He was kind of that short. Yeah. yeah. Kind of thin. Um, I would have uh, liked to see Michael J. I think this movie would have been funnier if Michael J. Fox had played the part. Oh God! But without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, that's a, yeah, and that is now. Now that if you want to knock cast now, I don't think it's any knock against Casey Jermasco because I think he's a great actor. I think yeah. though the way he played the character though was almost too realistic in his fear yes. and in well, like his, you said, very dark. Yeah, it was. Uh, very which, I mean, that was the, I think that was the angle they went with on purpose. Yeah. So he's like this little Michael J. Fox-sized character, and then he, Richard Tyson, who is Buddy, he's the the psychopath that comes to school, who pulls up in this, you know, cool-looking old rundown, beat-up muscle car, gets out with these big, giant, badass combat boots, a, and, a, and like a every ba- well, and like every loner badass in an eighties yeah. movie like this, eighties high school movie, he has to be dressed like a greaser from the fifties. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> every His time, jacket man. looks like it was right out of Greece. Um, it was a black leather jacket uh, that looked like it had been worn for a really long time. Actually, it looked like it was from the fifties because when they showed close-ups mm-hmm. when they were in the bathroom, it looks like it was pretty worn out. But he has a white, plain white T-shirt on underneath it, yep. just like in Greece, and he looks. I, I, he did have big boots on, but he probably looked six two. Oh yeah, yeah, he's two twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's big, mu- and muscle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's muscle, a big dude. Yes. Yeah, he's just all muscle. And it's funny because oh, no, maybe he was more like six two, six three. Because um, later on, when Jerry tries to find a bigger guy at the school and pay him to uh, get Buddy off his back by either kicking his butt or intimidating him or whatever. Um, that guy is actually taller than Buddy, but yeah. Buddy is this. He looks like he just got out of prison for ten years. Oh, he does. I mean, he does. Yeah, he, and he, he does. He does. Like- now, I will say this: in the movie's defense, other than it, we'll get into this one character in particular. Most mm-hmm. of the people, I, I think, I could buy as seniors in high school. I mean, they were pushing it. I mean, Casey's your mask. I could buy him as late teens, early twenties. Buddy, even I could buy him as like a twenty-two-year-old who's just failed. <laughs> So, yeah. Like, I don't think he's 18, but I could buy him as, like, an older-looking, you know, 20, 21-year-old who's just failed multiple times and, you know, back in the system. <laughs> and just so we're clear, folks, that does happen. Former middle school teacher, eighth grade, I crap you not, had two kids that were going to be 18 that summer. Oh, yeah, yeah. baby. <sighs> <sighs> and we, we won't mention that Casey was actually, like, 26 when this movie was made. But, you know, yeah. he pulled it off. I, I think, yeah, I think he played young well. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I know he wasn't one of those buddies. movies— what was that? All his buddies did too. Like yeah. his 
his his uh, his nerdy friend and, oh, and his and, sister. I mean, the girl played his sister. looked like definitely looked like she was her age. Um, yeah. And Fanny, his that girl that was uh, uh, all over him. In, yes, yeah, the psychic oh, yes. chick, whatever. Yep, <clears throat> with her spiritual guide. Uh, yeah, Ethan. she looked you know high school age. So I've asked Ethan, and we are to join as one. <laughs> now that would be the unrealistic point a teenage girl told a teenage guy her spirit guide said they should join as one to solve his problem even in the midst of all that hypoglycemia and a guy said no yeah, hi- said exactly no. yeah hypoglycemia or not <laughs> no. he still would have no. yeah i'm just sorry and, no. to crap. the point where she had the table ready and candles around it yeah and he still said no yeah, yeah. bull crap yeah, he was not a high school kid then. That no, just blew. no, 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 no. That was unbelievable. <laughs> but they all did kind of play. They did pull off the they were high school age or senior age, you know, high school senior age. So, um, Except for one, Jason. Let's just get this out of the way. <laughs> the, the, every movie like this has to have it. Senorita hotness herself. And in this case, she was a MILF. Because I swear <laughs> to God, that woman had to be 40 years old or at least 35 well, well, as happens with almost all of these 80 high school type movies, you have the best friend girl who throughout the, the entire the, movie. The boof, if you will. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who kind of tries to fill in that place of I'm your friend, but you don't But I see really want to have sex with you. But I want to be your girlfriend. But there's always this kind of hot blonde. And um, let's say hypothetically, like she might be in a play. Yes. And you might be a werewolf and be into her. And she only wants to do you when you're an animal because she's apparently a freak. You really need to make that into a movie. I think it would be a classic. Or a TV series. Mm. <laughs> or a cartoon. Interesting. <laughs> Cartoon's yeah, better. Um, it happens a lot, actually. And so in this, it's, ex- it's pretty much formulaic. You've got this girl who doesn't notice him until you know this event happens and he's going to be in this fight with Buddy. And then as things start to progress, she gets hotter and hotter for him. Uh, Karen is her name, but she looked. <sighs> she looked way too. I would realistically, I think she looked like a college age student, like in, as in like getting her graduate. I was gonna say like her. She worked on her thesis, her graduate yeah. thesis. Like she's she is definitely pre med. Yeah, she looked a lot older, and she was not. I'm, I'm not saying she was ugly, so don't. I know. I don't think she was ugly at all. Her face wasn't ugly. I think it was her hair. It was the it was that eighties perm. Yeah, 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 probably. But yeah, she she was supposed to be kind of the now I like you because you're popular. I think she's supposed uh, to be very she, sensual, like the, yeah, the mysterious, sexy yeah, kind um, of chick. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> she was a soccer mom who was coming on to a high school age. And senior. again, I go back to totally unrealistic <laughs> that he wouldn't. Yes. Yes, and he turned that down too. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Uh, yeah, not so much. Karen was not a good kind of hot blonde love interest. But um, but there were some other really good folks in this that I wanted to point out because one of the things I liked about this is uh, every person in this movie was written very much into a caricature, which I did like about this movie. So, you know, we talk about realistic. We talk about three-dimensional. We, thought, we talk about no, multi-dimensions. No. Jason, no. nope. Stereotypes <laughs> and caricatures. <laughs> But that's what made this fun. That's what made it more like a um, a comic to me because he was trying to be the stereotypical, uh, worked at the bookstore, got good grades, never failed, never cheated. Um, it was out of character for him to do anything weird. And let's go into that 
scene for just a moment where he decides that the best way to get out of fighting Buddy is to get either detention or kicked out. <laughs> so he does his book report. And that, he that was the Pee Wee Herman laugh, wasn't it? The... <laughs> I think so. And he decides he's going to do it on a like a trash romance novel. No, like a sex. porn novel. Right. Yeah. So he starts talking about what was it. it. It was Honey Does. Oh, crap. It was something like that. Like Honey Goes to Hollywood. It was like she's <laughs> yeah. doing the hockey team. It was. It was like Honey Goes to Hollywood. I actually think that was it. So yeah. nice. Um, nice. So, <laughs> so he starts talking about this uh, this book and he gets really like he's going to be this bad boy. He, he so turned into starting... Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> he he's like lighting a cigarette in front of the room. He's like. Yeah. Um, but his teacher, who looked amazingly like Leslie Ann Warren from Clue. Minus certain assets, I think. Well, yeah, in the face. <laughs> yes. In the in face. The, yes. <laughs> um, she basically decides that he is coming on to her because of uh, the, the way that um, he's doing this and talking about this, this sex book. And <laughs> at, at several points in the movie, she especially at the end, she comes right up to him and just lays one on him. And what was and... up with that outfit at the end? Did she just get back from Jazzercise? <laughs> Leg warmers? Yeah, Jay, the Jane Fonda workout <laughs> tape. I remember my mom had that book. It used to scare me. Oh, man. But that's what I mean. Everything was very caricature-like. And if it hadn't been that way, this would have been so unbelievable because the fact that the teacher's coming on to him and, and he, her, and they they basically, without saying it, say – that the two of them are hooking up. Do you realize how um, all over the map we are on this movie? <laughs> we're like, we start off with, eh, you know, and now we're like, eh, you know, I really like the, and then like, well, you know, the, you know, it was really kind of, the way they handled this was kind of realistic, and you're like, ah, oh, the caricatures, it wasn't for that. I mean, this movie is totally unbelievable. <laughs> we're back and forth. What Basically, we have no real opinion on this movie. <laughs> so that's where we make feel, it up. We're just totally, yeah, pretty much. No, but, um, but I did, I mean, that was one of the only things, like I said, it wasn't an awful movie. It just wasn't, hilarious but, no it was not hilarious but they pulled it off with like i said the caricatures because they had the teacher they had the the bully that was this ridiculous bully that was just this absolute crazy i guy. actually love that part i mean I, I think that i that was one of my favorite aspects of this was just how unbelievably menacing he was because he was great i think who was yeah. it that wrote about him being val kilmer's beefy uh, you know that may be coming up tom i may owe you attribution <laughs> Because <laughs> it may have been you that made the comment, and now I'm just remembering but it. Was, I listened to your voice a long time ago. Older brother. Yeah, he said like he was Val Kilmer's beefy cousin or something, because he does kind of have a Val Kilmer vibe to him. Yeah, that's true. He did definitely um, have that. Yeah, so, and then, and then they had the, the principal, and they had, they had the Duker. <laughs> oh, and of course, the Duker played by the great Mitch Pileggi of X-Files and yes. Shocker. Who played Forrest this Pinker. security guard uh, patrolling around in a golf cart who catches Jerry trying to escape school. Yes. And he basically says, you tell your friends, you can't escape the duker. And I'm going to tell you now, folks, I was so disappointed. I didn't have time to, uh, not that I would ever, of course, rip a DVD. But freaking YouTube let me down. I couldn't find that. I was so going to open with that line, but I couldn't find uh, it. Oh, uh, yeah. Um but even the you know even the uh, the detective um, Philip Baker Hall, who played a police detective coming in to investigate the fact that the uh, bookstore had been destroyed, um, and and he kind of had that very stereotypical you know detective um, caricature to him. But that 
I think the fact that they went with that with every different person, even Jerry Tambor, who played uh, the uh, yeah, yeah, Jeffrey Tambor, he was the uh, bookstore guy. Yeah, yeah, he was the bookstore guy, right? Yes, yeah. and he was the one who was Jerry's good friend and you know mentor sort of. And who would do this, Jerry? I, uh, he I just was, yeah, I he's pretty much awesome in everything he's ever been in. Oh man, and, and, and he always and plays I, a he always plays a similar kind of guy, but he's just awesome. Yeah, and and he, I'm hoping because I've heard the rumors that they're doing a movie version for, for Arrested Development. For Arrested Development, yeah, and um, it's rumored. So there's no date. And full or anything, confession but... time, folks. I had not seen Arrested Development until recently, and now my wife and I are already halfway through season two after like a week and a half because that show is freaking oh, awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's hilarious. A... It's fantastic. Yeah. So this is obviously way before that. So he's a little younger, but he plays the same type of character, and he has that same kind of mentality, the straight man kind of. Uh, yeah, just the way the, you know, yeah, yeah. So that was fantastic. But so. That worked for me really well. The caricatures and all these, you know, all the people that are in it, and uh, some of the the, the good acting. Um, there was one thing that threw me out of this. Now, I'm going to set this up for a second because you also went to to high school in the Central Florida area. Um, we are no New York City. We mm-hmm. are no Chicago. Mm-hmm. We are no Los Angeles. We're no Sh- we're you, no Sherman, Illinois. We're no Sherman, Illinois. Uh, we're no Joliet, Illinois. But we do have some fairly rough high schools around here, and I went to one of those. Oh, you did, uh, Jason? Did you? I did. I went to one of those, and you know, muggings and gang shootings. Jason and used th- to have legs, people. I had both. Actually, he used to have arms. Don't let our banner <laughs> throw you. He had arms at one point, and I felt bad That's for him, so I had mine surgically me. removed. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a photograph. Uh, you know. Kevin did that straight up. That's me with no arms. Um, I went to a rough high school, and uh, there were kids, like you said, who were 20 who were in my high school uh, or were close to it and were just giants. And I am a gaunt young man. <laughs> gaunt. Uh, <laughs> but, but this I movie, look like death. <laughs> but this movie, it, it, it was so – I understand it took place in the late 80s. I went to high school in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. There is no high school I can imagine who would say, Jerry, I understand you had a switchblade at school today. <laughs> I, will, I, will, no, uh, I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. I think that that's a bit extreme, the switchblade thing. <laughs> yeah. But the level of um, anal retentiveness that exists in schools today, for sure, like where a kid can have like a butter knife Absolutely. fall out in the bed of his no. truck and he gets expelled. No. That no, kind of crap. That people were a lot like, like for instance, kids smoking near the camp. All that kind of, yeah, yeah. I remember well, no, hell, no, back in no. the early 90s. In my high school, in my high school, there was a smoking section for students. <laughs> That's <and> awesome. <laughs> they could get, <laughs> there was. And you know, let me tell you something. You did not walk through that section because if you were not one of them, well, the haze you, was so thick. And you went through their territory, your ass was kicked. Let me tell you. No, but, yeah, literally. <laughs> but, but this movie just—it felt a little extreme, especially when we get to the end. And basically, Buddy is getting ready to fight with Jerry, and teachers start to come up. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and he whips him. First of all, he—he's got brass knuckles at one point. But the teachers come up, and he, Buddy doesn't like to be touched. So one of the teachers basically touches him on the shoulder, to say, "You need to stop this, young man." He cold cocks the duker and knocks him out. I mean, like, I love that part. knocks him 
out. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, at no point are the police not going to be called. Is no, because then the the duker gets knocked out, and what does the principal do? He's like, uh, I don't want any of this. Wait, now, was he the principal or the assistant? Wasn't he the assistant principal? Yeah, probably. Because that was weird. It's like the principal's not there, but the AP is the main guy on campus. It was weird. But in your high school, wasn't it the AP that was like the disciplinary? Yes, it was. But you think I don't know. Just like a principal is like the head. I don't know. You think you think uh-huh. you at least catch wind of him. But the other yeah, thing, but you, he, just, he just backs away. He's like, oh, I'm well, gonna yeah, you're into this crowd. I'm not going to do yeah, anything. Yeah, but I think they were. Yeah, but the, the whole buildup of that guy. <clears throat> you did you catch all like the Nazi references and everything in his office? Oh yes, yeah, all oh, the books I, about like Nuremberg. <laughs> yes, and, yes. <laughs> that was great. On his desk are the books about Nazi death camps. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> he's like, he's bald. Oh, wait. <laughs> and he's dead now, by the way. So. Oh, is he really? Thanks for that. Yep. Oh, wait. So you and I could replace him as the scary German bald guy? <laughs> yes, probably. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, I just thought it was funny that he backs away. But even the other teachers that come up, I mean, it was the whole thing was uh, – uh, pretty much the most violent high school I've ever seen because uh, you get caught with the switchblade and yeah, I'm going to keep my eye on you now. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, just, so you, uh, just so we're clear, um, the guy who played Mr. O'Rourke, which was the one that uh, was <laughs> after buddy knocks him down. He's like, don't F this up Mitchell. That guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He actually goes way back in the day. I mean, he was in like five easy pieces and Dillinger and it's alive. And, you know, he's, he's oh, one yeah. of those guys that you see and you go, God, where do I freaking know him from? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's been in a ton of stuff, a lot of TV back in the seventies and eighties. And so, yeah. And, and, uh, who, Oh yeah. I wanted to he make sure the right stuff. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. He was in the right stuff in 83. So that's um, cool. I think that's where I remembered him from. And, uh, Tangerine dream. That's the other thing I loved about this movie is that Tangerine oh, Dream did the music, music. and yeah. the, and there's actually and actually I think it's the scene in when he uh, sed, I guess kind of seduces the teacher in the book report and <laughs> he goes to Hollywood. <laughs> that music really reminded me of Risky Business, which Tangerine Dream did the music yeah. for that as well. Yeah, and I always thought the music in Risky Business was the best part about it. Rebecca De Mornay, and uh, I thought you told me that the best part Rebecca about De it Mornay. was when you saw Tom Cruise in his underwear. Rebecca De Mornay. That's not what you told Rebecca me. Rebecca DeMornay. You're just saying that because we're on the air. Rebecca DeMornay. <laughs> Tom Cruise in his underwear. Wait, what? <laughs> Crazy in his underwear. He <laughs> <laughs> jumped on the couch with those. Yeah. It's all flopping. Yeah, it's, all, it's all flopping around. <laughs> Tom. Tom, could you please, please put your tidy whities back on? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Rebecca D. Mornay. I did. I love Tangerine Dream, by the way. The, yes, and the but music yeah, but their music—they've done so. other scores, and 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 I think it was a. There's a great if you go onto YouTube and just search. And I actually, I'm pretty sure I posted this as well. Maybe when I did the three o'clock high thing way back in the day, way way back last back in the day in, in 2010. God Almighty, we've been around forever. <clears throat> and I I posted a Q and A session because Seth Green is a huge fan of this movie. And he did like this midnight show or whatever, and they had the director there, and they did this Q and A with the audience, and they got into the fact that a couple things: one, Steven Spielberg is originally the executive producer on this, and hmm. he, and he had his name pulled. Ah, <laughs> ouch! And, and yeah, yeah. But here's what's interesting: if you listen to the whole story, I don't think it's necessarily because he thought it was a bad movie as much as I think it didn't fit his brand at the time. 
Because you think yeah. about this is when he was like executive producing, like batteries not included. So I think that there was definitely that aspect. And actually, Phil Jeannot had uh, directed a couple episodes of uh, Amazing Stories. So there was a definite re- relationship there. And I think one of the stories he tells how Spielberg during a screening of it, I don't think he got the vibe of them. Like, I just don't think it was him, you know? So he had his yeah. name taken off of it. But they go into this whole piece about Tangerine Dream and the music originally, <laughs> he said, was so dark and brooding and he and he was telling how he he went to meet with them in Germany or wherever they are and and he was like so you know let's hear the music and oh you love this music you love it and they play it and he's like so what do you think he's like oh my god it's like a horror movie <laughs> and he, really, he said and and he's like yes I mean that's what this is right I mean this boy this poor boy and this man is going to murder him and it's like they actually thought the guy made a horror movie. And so, and so they, they they go into this whole bit about how they had to like tone it down, but that it's still that essence. Like especially, uh, they use the example of when uh, Buddy, uh, Buddy and Jerry are in the gym alone, and Jerry's offering him the money, and Buddy points out that he's the biggest piece of uh, or the biggest uh, female uh, anatomy he's ever met, and yep. that that whole bit, and that if you really listen to the music, it does have this very sinister. Yeah, tonal quality to it, and so I thought that was hilarious. They they thought it was a horror movie just from watching it without <laughs> the music or anything. Because you think of it, because I mean, music first off really can shape how a movie plays. So, oh no doubt. I mean, if you Absolutely. ever watch my one of my favorite examples of that is they were doing a, a retrospective of on John Williams, and they showed some of the scenes from Jaws without the music, and then with it. Uh, and oh my yeah. god, what a difference! A freaking few. You know, oh, huge! Yeah, absolutely. Notes of music make. Oh, geez, it was crazy. So, but yeah, it, it, Tangerine Dream was definitely something else worth mentioning. Phil Philip uh, Baker Hall plays the detective that shows up at the end. He's a great character actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of good, great actors in this movie too. So, yeah, yeah, there really were. In the just the the pedigree of the people that are in it, even though at the time they weren't as big, but there were some older, like you said, some actors that have yeah. been around for a long time that were in it. So, and Richard Tyson, wow. I think we both mentioned this. I actually, I love his stuff and. Jason and I will fully admit we both love Kindergarten Cop. And I don't care yeah. who knows it. I like I hate to Cop. say it, but I do. And he plays the similar kind of character. Richard Tyson's the bad guy in Kindergarten Cop. But he's yeah, got kind of it's sort of like if Buddy, yeah, Buddy had gotten a little more in touch with his emotions. I think, <laughs> yeah. But he, he actually shows a little more some. range in that one because he, he kind of shows oh, yeah. more of – in this one, it's just – like in this one, you can, you can imagine that just Buddy is – he reminded me of um, the bully from The Simpsons that just nobody, you know, the kid, yeah. you know, he's just in a bad situation. I can imagine his, his, you know, his mom and dad are in jail and he's living at home alone. Yeah. And um, he's just kind of a misunderstood anger pent up. But I know. love the fact that they imply that he's a genius. Like, yes. He's in the library yeah. reading of Mice and Men. He's, and he's able when, to do and the math problem. Proof, yeah, yeah, that he knows the Algebra 2 equation. <laughs> he gets up there and does it. But you kind of get this feeling like he's he's just kind of this misunderstood uh, you know, giant almost. Like, but like, he's got you know, Jason, you know what it is? If he could just learn how to paint or maybe sculpt something, <laughs> I bet he wouldn't be so angry. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Yes, um, but in his kindergarten cop, he's a little more uh, sophisticated, mature, but he has the same look on his face, that same 
deadpan, I am going to, to kill rip you. you a new one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, one of my favorite scenes in this is where um, when Jerry gets the other bully, I guess he's oh, yeah, the, the other the, the, he's fo- the football player the football yeah, yeah. Um, to go basically to tell Buddy to lay off. He comes up to Buddy and he's like, hey, you need to leave Jerry. I understand you're going to beat up Jerry Mitchell. You're going to leave him alone. And he puts his finger on him. Basically, yeah, just pokes kind of him in the chest. Pokes him in the chest. Yeah, and Buddy just takes his finger, grabs it, snaps it, and then just pow, just right across the nose. Yeah. Knocks and him it out. knocks it. Yeah, knocks him into the bookshelf, which creates a <laughs> domino effect. Uh, uh, and, you know, like the mummy. Remember the mummy when that happens? Boom, boom, boom. Yes. Yeah. And everything great. falls down. But the best part of that entire scene: all those shelves come stacking down, and as they fall across the other side of the library, there's Jerry and his and his buddy. And they're standing there, and Buddy just looks at him. Yeah, because they've been hiding. But it's what he. <laughs> now, I was saying, see, that's the moment though that gives credence to Tangerine Dream's argument that this is a horror movie, because yeah. Buddy just takes that his one hand and holds it up like the finger to shush him. And he goes, shh. Yeah, and it's <laughs> yeah. covered in blood. It's really a dark oh, ass movie, dude. I it mean, is. <laughs> if you actually, yeah, I think it's what it is. When I watched it the last time, I was you know like a, I guess more of a dark place, and. <laughs> I remember thinking afterwards, like, if you come into this expecting, like, a ha comedy, you're going to be really disappointed. Like a Ferris Bueller. Yeah, not, nothing don't like that. that. But if you're no. expecting more of the after hours or even maybe, I would even say Heather's was more funny, like, had a few more laugh-out-loud moments yeah. than this did. But it's definitely dark and messed up. And I think it probably was originally meant to be R, because I think there was a few moments where people dropped F-bombs and they dubbed them over i i don't know if you picked up on yeah. that but yeah there seemed to be that too so uh jason i believe we have exhausted this particular motion <laughs> picture speaking of exhausted would you like yeah. to go into our movie picks i would love to And if you're new to the show and you think that implies that our movie picks are going to be a turd, well, they often are. So there you go. You're right. Jason, I think you should go first. We're approaching the big scary house, Jason. We're approaching the big scary house right now, Jason. And you know what? You're my friend and all, but I think you should go first. I should go first. You know, when you're in a safari in Africa, you don't have to run faster than the lion, just faster than the fat guy in your group. Yeah, you know um, what? You know what? Screw you, grooms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So mine actually went with one of the actors because mm-hmm. uh, I love the character. Like I said, I love the characters in this. I went with um, Philip Baker Hall, who played the detective um, in this. What? Go ahead. Did you too? No, go ahead. Keep going. Okay. Oh, God. So. I went with one that I thought was a lot uh, more laugh out loud funny with Midnight Run. Oh, you didn't. Did you really? Dude, that was. It, uh, go ahead. Wait, Not, was that yours? No, I'm just screwing. Oh, you, <laughs> I knew you wasn't. I actually, I love that movie, though. <laughs> yeah, it's Robert De Niro and, and uh, Charles Grodin, oh, basically. Um, De Niro's a U.S. Marshal or FBI agent, and he has to take this. Uh, um, was he like a, a was an, an attorney yeah, like or a tax accountant? Attorney or accountant. Yes, yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah, he was an accountant for the mafia, and so everybody is basically after Charles Grodin in this, uh, and 
De Niro has to get him to um, the final place without the mafia after him. And you know what's funny? Hunters. I think that's on our schedule for next year. I, I hope so, because I love it. And I, I think, think this, it is. I love um, when De Niro does, like, the comedy-type stuff. Like, Meet the Fockers was a good one. And um, What about and, Little Fockers? I mean, that joke just doesn't get old. It doesn't. <laughs> but... Um, analyze but this, just, analyze that. I mean, really, where does the where does the zaniness stop? <laughs> Taxi Driver, that is comedy gold. Uh, gosh, that was a hilarious movie, wasn't it? It really was. <laughs> um, but this has actually a pretty big um, cast of characters in it as well. There's some pretty big names in it. Um, Yafit Kato, who was the guy who was in Alien. Alien. Yes. Yes, who was fantastic in that one. Um, John Ashton's in this. Um, Joe Pantoliano, who jo- is in Joey Goonies. Pants. Joey Pants is in this. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, who seems to, I guess just because of his last name, um, is always a mafia guy, right? Uh, he was Guido the oh, Killer yeah. Pimp in uh, Risky <laughs> Business. <laughs> yes. And he was in and The he, Matrix. He was one of the Fratelli brothers. Um, yes, he was. From, uh, yeah, he was the bad guy. He was. He plays a good bad guy, though. So, yeah. Um, bad guy in The Matrix. But anyway, it's a really funny movie. It's 1988. Um but uh, uh, Philip Baker Hall has a part in this as well, and he's one of the um, one of the the uh, FBI guys in this. But it's a it's a funny movie. And then I was trying to look for connections. Uh, there really is no good other. Well, that's movie. enough. Well, uh, Connect- you can you connected director. it. You connected it via the actor. That is sufficient. Well, because I was like, oh, the director. Yeah, let's look. Um, yeah, I was not going to go with the fact that he was given a credit for Star Trek the movie for visual effects consultant. Yeah, I do, but he did that when he was in high school. Yes, That's which pretty is impressive. impressive, you know, 1979 and all. Well, but... you know, you know, compared to all the awesome things you did in high school, I can see why you would definitely judge that. Hey, hey, <laughs> I was in Were you getting swirlies in the 10th was grade on the, was or on the... I was an athlete. I was on the golf team. <laughs> did you say mathlete? Uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Jason stepping up to the podium. He has number two pencil in hand, and we don't really want to know where his other hand is. Okay, he's got his mathlete game face on. Okay, the problem has been presented. Okay, either he's perplexed or is passing some kind of kidney stone based on the furrowing of the brows. Will he get the answer in time? Find out next week on... Mathletes. <laughs> so, Jason, my pick. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I've changed it three times since we began. <laughs> since we started talking. Okay, you were gonna you were gonna go with. <laughs> yes, yes. Originally, I said eighty nine before we started recording. I lied. It's nineteen eighty five. Nineteen eighty five's Secret Admirer, which interestingly enough was going to originally be my pick, but I completely had forgotten and was coming up with something else, and then I remembered again. I picked it because Casey. <laughs> Wait, what was your 1989 one? Um, it was either going to be Shocker, because of Horace Pinker, because of uh, Mitch Pelleggi. Yep. Um, and I honestly don't remember what the other one was. Oh, it was Midnight Run. That was my other one. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so thanks to you, I went with Secret Admirer from 1985. It starred C. Thomas Howell, mm-hmm. Laurie Laughlin, mm. Kelly Preston, mm. Okay, dude, are you okay? You need to be left alone because, <laughs> honestly, I'm getting a little creeped out right now. D. Wallace. So it's got a Fred Ward's in it. Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Courtney Gaines, also known as Creepy Ass Malachi and Children of the Corn. Uh, just look, I'm sorry, no offense, folks, if you named your kid Malachi. Seriously, great, good on you, but that just sounds creepy. This yeah. is my son, Malachi. Malachi. <laughs> he who walks behind the rose. <laughs> I'm going to send him to the cornfields. This was I'm a... send him to the cornfields. <laughs> uh, Isaac, what should we do now, Isaac? Well, Malachi. <laughs> you know what's messed up, dude? You kind of remind me of Isaac. <laughs> Physically, I can picture you with that Amish hat on, like if you shaved all your gruff. You know what's oh, funny? Oh, you know what? I should put on like a red-headed wig and go as like Malachi. <laughs> you could be Isaac. And, we'll and I'll her. have that straw hat on. <laughs> no, and no, they have the Amish-looking hat. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's what they used to call me in middle school. <clears throat> Did they really? Yes, from Children of the Corn. Are you freaking I, kidding me? No. Oh. I, <laughs> <to> God. <laughs> I feel like such an ass. Oh, you, you are. <laughs> Jason, just this turns us into a therapy session. He's just, you know, he just uh, beat uh, up with uh, corn. Uh, he thought I looked like the guy from that Do you movie? know what it's like how to love corn the way I love corn? And then you get in line at the cafeteria, and then you get up there, and the lady behind the counter, the lunch lady, the one that you had that secret crush on, that you, the love you knew could never happen, she says to you, you want some corn, honey? And you're like, and you're like, no, I can't have it, because if I start to eat it, it's going to be like, Isaac. <laughs> he who walks behind the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're paying my funny. Okay. <laughs> this is also a Corey Haim joint from back in the day. I didn't realize, like, in 1985, Corey Haim made, like, 88 movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Within, like, three years. Yeah, he, he made, was like, the, let's see, it was Lucas maker. and Silver Bullet and this one and some other movie nobody ever heard of and... He made cocaine. He made heroin. He uh... oh, no, oh, well, he didn't make it. He took them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this has a really great cast. Um, it basically. Oh, hold on. I, I. This is my favorite part. I have to do the IMDb storyline written by its users. <laughs> on the last day before summer vacations, Michael receives <laughs> a glowing but anonymous love letter. He suspects, or better, hopes. It's from Deborah, the girl he's after since a while. But who dates? <laughs> Don't mess me up. I gotta keep it. I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. But who dates college students only? However, she shows him a cold shoulder again. So his and her best friend Tony, with an I, I added that last part, advises him to write her an anonymous letter in return. However. These letters get in the wrong hands and cause lots of confusion in their families until it's revealed who wrote which letter to whom. <laughs> Courtesy of Tom. Good on you, Tom, and not the fanboy, I hope. Uh, no. Yes. Wow. As a former English teacher, God help us all. <laughs> yeah, in a nutshell, C. Thomas Howell is in love with Kelly Preston's uh, character, and he gets this anonymous love letter on the last day of school. Uh, Casey Jamasco plays one of his friends wearing a very similar awesome parachute camo pants and a beret. And I do believe at one point a mesh muscle tee. And he gets this idea, this anonymous love letter came from the Kelly Preston character, Debbie. And oh my God, wait, you just gave me an image. What? C. Thomas Howell in camo pants no, 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 and a beret. No, no, no. Well, I don't, he may actually wear them at some point. Casey Jamasco, though, I do believe for a fact wears No, no. Out. Listen, I know for a fact. That at one point, oh, Soul Man. 
Soul Man. And Soul Man wore his camo and beret. When the he... least offensive movie of the 1980s. Oh, my God. What we yes. want to do is like the double feature. We'll call it the most offensive double feature. We'll do a double feature of that and Cruising. <laughs> the one where Al Pacino has to go undercover in like the early 80s and like, you know, to like figure out the serial killer who's only killing gay men. And it's like really like. <laughs> <laughs> really like deplorable it's like i know one of those like oh they thought they were doing something but ooh, that's ooh, just wrong that's not good yeah no. <laughs> we're gonna open people's minds by offending the hell out of them <laughs> soul man catch it i'm gonna do a movie movie called herpes right on, Wait, no, i'm gonna do a movie called herpes and that's what's gonna be the catchphrase herpes catch it <laughs> But it's going to be like herpes spelled differently, and the herpy is going to actually be this cute little lovable puppety alien creature. Yes, or like, like Mac and in me or something. Pirates. Oh yeah, or like Space Mac and me. Herpes. Oh yeah, you go. It'll be like a Mac and me kind of puppet, and it'll be real <laughs> oh, cute, yeah. lovable, and it'll be like herpy, uh. the lovable alien munchkin. Catch it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, I so, would executive produce that movie. Of course so. you would. Okay, so. folks, you know you heard it here first. The first Forgotten Flicks joint. Okay, the second one. We smoked the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Herpes, catch it. <laughs> That's our first movie. <laughs> <laughs> the clap. Catch it. Oh, it's good stuff. Peter Rooter. Peter Rooter. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Secret of Myer, 1985. Yes, 1985. <laughs> um, I love this movie, and I believe I also added this to our queue. Man, our queue. Our schedule. My queue. <laughs> We're just going to queue now. It, this That's was it. one of those on HBO, and I loved it for so many reasons, not the least of which it had Lori Laughlin and Kelly Preston in it. And, uh, yeah. It was Lori good stuff, Loughlin. folks. It was good mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, Secret Admirer, 1985, it's a funny flick. It's all sorts of zany. It's a comedy of errors, really. So um, yeah, check it out. So underdone. So underdone these days, it, I'm it, telling you. It really is. So Jason, uh, we're going to hit people with a promo from our buddies over at the Sci-Fi Diner, and then it's on to voicemail. Come in, relax at the Sci-Fi Diner Spa. Let the cares of the Galactic Empire drift away under the hands of one of our certified massage therapists. Has our favorite Gungan Senator been annoying you? Mr. Kojata Binks, Mr. Your Humble Servant. Let the fingers of one of our Twilight Slave Girls rub your frustration many parsecs away. Or perhaps you just found out that your father is a Sith Lord. I am your father. Our Wookiee massage therapists specialize in deep tissue massage. Send a holiday transmission to the Sci-Fi Diner Spa to make your appointment. The Sci-Fi Diner bears no responsibility should one of our Wookiees decide to go on a rampage and strew your guts from one end of the galaxy to the other due to frustration pent up against Palpatine and what happened on Kashyyyk. All right, Jay. <laughs> they mentioned Jar Jar, but I'll let it go. <laughs> please, please. Yes, yes. We're already okay. an hour in. Yes, 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 I will. <laughs> All right, so now we're on to our first bit of voicemail, Jay, and it's our buddy, JV. Hey, guys, you know me. Okay, you don't really know me. Okay, you kind of do. Anyway, once again, 
I pause the podcast, and I'm sitting inside my car while I record this. But this time, ha, 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 the car is off, and I am parking in front of a comic store. You don't need to know where I am. Anyway, so here's why I'm calling. You see, I know I'm missing out on the Die episode because I am calling on the day that the episode gets released to the Internet everywhere. Lost train of thought, sorry. Anyway, Die Hard. Love the movie. Watch it on Christmas because it's a great Christmas flick, right? Sitting there watching it, watching it, watching it, and wishing John McClane would shut the hell up because he just talks so damn much and there's no one around, so why is he talking? Why did he talk to himself all the time? I got really annoyed by that this time. I don't know exactly why. I just wanted to sit down, enjoy my eggnog, and wait for the part where the Englishman who's playing a German pretends to be an American all over again, because that's just so many levels of, of foreign impressions that it makes my brain hurt. Ow. It's like brain freeze with worse. I forget what I was saying. Have a great day. Thank you for shopping. Thank you, JV. As always, you hit us with knowledge that if we didn't otherwise have, we'd be without your knowledge, and your knowledge is the only knowledge that we need. Thank you, JV. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's a good point that Alan Rickman, an Englishman, I, I think he is English, right? Yes. Is he? Okay. Yeah. Doing a German accent as Hans, and then doing... Clay. Bell Clay. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Pretty Although he can pull it off. So. Yes, he can. He can. He can also mm-hmm. pull off a dashiki and a kimono <laughs> and a thong. But we won't go there. Please don't. Yes, yeah, so now our buddy Tom, the fanboy, who I'm hoping is also not the Tom that wrote that really horribly written mm. IMDb entry. Mm-mm. Hey, this is Tom the Fanboy reporting in. Uh, I just wanted to say that I loved everything this holiday season, the Merry Flixmas uh, to you, all of you as well. And uh, I miss calling in for Die Hard, and I don't really have much to add on that, but uh, good job, Jason. Um, uh, since uh, um, you, guys, you guys made fun of Alan Rickman's uh, voice, but I, I do, I do want to add that uh, I read some special features, and it, this that's what he called his Californian accent. And um, I do think that it deserves some credit, because it just shows how great of an actor he is, because m- a lot of British people, um, such as the um, Red One in uh, Star Wars, when they did an American accent, they go to the South, or they go Texan. And um, uh, like an American who pretends to be a British person, always sounds cockney. Oh, governor, I'm from Britain. Oh, uh, anyway, not to name names, but uh, anyway. Uh, the important thing in here is that even though it was whiny and simpering, Rickman is a consummate professional, and it was a, a, a very unique accent. Um, anyway, um, the, uh, the next podcast I also missed was uh, Three O'Clock High, and I'd never even heard of that movie at all. And, and, no, you didn't. You know, so I went and watched it, and <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was good, and I mostly enjoyed it because of, of course, 
the um, the eightiesness of everything and how it looks sort of all retro now and it just sings of that era and uh, I, it was I, I enjoyed it and I'm eager to see what uh, you guys have to point out um, about a movie that seems to have a John um, uh, Val Kilmer's beefy psychotic brother. It was him. Um, <laughs> running a box. Anyway, um, the, I just finished the Die Hard podcast, and I really only have one thing to add. The discussion at the beginning where Jason was guessing Fat Boys instead of Run DMC for the song. Um, now, your way of correcting him must itself be corrected. Um, I watched Crush Groove a couple of years ago so that I would be able to understand a joke that Matt Damon makes in a gag reel from the movie Dogma that he did with Kevin Smith and Ben Affleck. Um, and I recall being surprised at just how many other 80s hip-hop artists were in that movie, in Crush Groove, specifically the Fat Boys. In fact, they have a B story throughout the entire movie that chronicles their origins. And if you go to the IMDb page, they're actually the second people listed under Run DMC and their love interest. So perhaps there's a good reason for Jason to make such a mistake, other than <laughs> him being white. So this is Tommy Fanboy signing off. Excellent point, Tom. And I will say this. A, you just proved that we do not just sit here and read off of IMDb the whole time. B, I never finished Crush Groove. As a matter of fact, I got about eight minutes into it, and I was like, oh, dear God, this is the worst piece of S I've ever... I, it, was so, it, was, it was so painfully bad. It made break into electric boogaloo. Practi- <laughs> practically look good. Because it, no, I, just, I just remember thinking, I, okay, I, I love their music, but why is their acting so god-awful bad? <laughs> why is why is why why are they so horrible? Why is this so horrible? Yeah, Just it go was back and watch Disorderly. Yeah, yeah, Disorderly. I have seen a couple times. <laughs> yeah, of course, as I recall, I also didn't I call it uh, Delirious at one point. You did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My bad. Um. Also, good point about Alan Rickman, Tom, because oh I, God, <laughs> I actually think he was the best actor. In the entire movie. Um, oh, he's, well, he's, a, he, he's awesome pretty much in everything. By you know? far, yeah. But he was fantastic. But the fact that he can pull off – and it's a good point that um, a lot of times when people go to the classic American accent, it's that twang. But um, for someone to pull it off, almost what you would call bland American, sort of like what you would think of with um, oh, the guy who played Gladiator. What's his oh, name? Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. You know, his straight accent is yeah. – Australian, but he pulls off an American accent so well. Yeah, it's the does, same thing yeah. with um, a couple others that uh, Hugh Laurie, who uh, plays uh, House, um, when you hear him speak with his regular accent, it's so odd because he's so good at the American accent. When you hear him speak with his British accent, um, if you've never seen his older work, then it always feels really odd. But um, yeah, Alan Rickman's phenomenal beyond words uh, as an actor. I, I love him. So good job. Yep. Excellent points. And now we will. Move on to a special one that Jason didn't know was coming, but I'm going to play it for him anyway. <laughs> yes, Jason, this is your cousin, Andy. Um, Lorraine finally got me to listen to one of your podcasts, and I get to listen to one about you make fun of me wearing Hudson Hawk's hat and glasses. Yes, I had them. I enjoyed them. 
At least I didn't want a receding hairline at age 12, though. You all sound good. I'll listen to more. Take it easy. <laughs> okay, may I just say first, thank you, Andy, for calling in. I loved how you started it off. Lorraine finally had me as if as if she put a gun to your head. It was torture. And I will say that okay, you wore a Hudson Hawk hat and glasses, dude. You kind of had it coming. And third, some of us had a receding hairline at age twelve. Andy, it can't be helped. Yes. So, Jason, what would you like to say uh, to your cousin? Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> I am very glad he called in, but um, we had this discussion afterwards, and uh, he doesn't quite remember the hat. I swear I remember him having the hat, but he has had several very similar on and off. And even on Christmas, as we talked about it, he had a uh, Scrooged top hat style as he wrote his heart. Where there's there's smoke, I'm just saying. Where there's smoke. So on that note, Jason, let's uh, go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. And before we go into all our contact information, let me just throw out a couple quick things. One, we always have to thank Kevin Spencer, our boy who does the show note art. And, uh, and actually, now we have a banner up. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll add some things to it here. Well, us as if we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin might add some things here. And they're like, <laughs> like arms. We'll, we'll add some things. Yeah, yes, yeah. Well, we well, yeah, we will, Kevin. Yeah, we. seriously. It'll look great when we're done. Like monkeys throwing feces through a screen door at my face. Yes, we are going to have that banner there. It looks awesome. He created it. I'm sorry. I'm trying to clear my throat and not choke to death. And so thank you for for that, Kevin. And obviously all your wonderful show note art. We, We wouldn't be half the show we are without your awesomeness. And thank you, as always, to JV for the spoiler alerts. Those are always great. Uh, you can check out Kevin at Kevin Spencer's, what am I think, inkspatters.com. Had to grab it there from the old brain pan. And yep. jvmail.com is JV's site. So on that note, and Jason, would you like to hit him with our voicemail feedback line? Uh, yep. Uh, give us a call anytime, anywhere, 206 206- 203-0491 and I also want to toss out real quick uh, be sure and check out uh, Kevin Batchelder's uh, Saturday B movie reel I'm going to be featured over there um, this week on the Piranha episode awesome with uh, Roger Corman's version from 1978 so yes. awesome awesome and uh, I don't do we ever announce you going on pop spot like your pop spotting episode coming out did we mention that in the Die Hard episode I don't think we did <sighs> It's I've a, slept since then. Okay, How do I know? It, it's out now, so definitely go check out Jason on Pop Spotting. Um, it, I don't even know what the episode number was, but if you just go to popspotting.com and start scrolling through, you'll see on there, I think the headline, the title was something like Monkey Boy Speaks. Was that <laughs> oh, no, that's what I would put if I was uh, uh, yeah, No, no, seriously, it, it's, it's great, so go check that out. <laughs> and... Go to ForgottenFlicks.com, of course. That's the website. I'm actually changing things up a little bit. Normally, Monday, we have like a coming soon sort of quick post about the movie that we're going to be recording a week hence. And now I'm going to have that as well, but I'm also going to throw in a little movie trivia there, a little movie quote, so or a quote from somebody in the movies, and people can guess those, and we'll give you a little shout-out in the next episode if you get it right, put the answer in the comments. And, of course, you know, if you want to mm-hmm. be a punk-ass and cheat and use the interwebs <laughs> or something but uh or actually use your brain let's see what you're made of huh 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 
I wouldn't know. I'd have to cheat. So, <laughs> yes, and of course, Twitter. I am Forgotten Flicks. Jason is Flicks Sidekick. And then you can check us out on Facebook. We have two pages. We have the official Forgotten Flicks page, and we have the Forgotten Flicks podcast group page. Um, I'm also going to start posting a weekly, or I'm sorry, a daily trivia question on there. We're going to try to do that once a day. It's going to mm-hmm. just be something for Facebook. So go check out the page. You know, like us, please. We're desperate, very insecure men. Have very little going on in our lives, apparently, because here it is Sunday night. It's almost 11 p.m., and we're yakking about this wackiness. <laughs> and, of course, our iTunes page, Jason, which we're up to. We have 16 ratings now, which is pretty cool. Ah, and that's we, not and bad. Some, and somehow no one has given us one star. Please don't. Please, please. It'll screw up the average. Yes, so. <laughs> it's your family and my family oh together. Oh, my God. That's, it's almost all good. of them. <laughs> I can just convince my parents uh, they won't talk to me. Uh, no. Yeah, not so mm-hmm. much. So, Jason, any final parting words, parting shots, as it were? <sighs> Just make sure you take your Ritalin before you watch this movie. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> make sure you huff some glue before you watch this movie. Oh, man. <laughs> so, folks, this is the first episode of the new year. Happy New Year, and we out.